Welcome to the Dynasty Force Podcast with your hosts, Billy Brisbane and Robert Mantuano. Ready to get, get fucked. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <great. laughs> that's, that's exactly what all of our listeners want to hear to start things off here. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Dynasty Force Podcast. Back with you today i had to look at my phone for the day i'm sorry april 7th uh it is wednesday my dudes um back with you again here live with the one the only and the everlasting billy brisbane at getting bills on twitter enjoying yourself some baseball i can understand yeah, man, it's that time of year, man. If you're a degenerate sports gambler, you got to get it how it comes. And, you know, my main man, Detroit Beasties, here with us today. He always brings the good vibes, good mojo. So I'm excited for today. Yeah, man, and you introduced him, but I can do it better. The <laughs> one who is always here, but not, you know, actually recognized as a, as a full-time host. The one who always makes a grand entrance with the snapbacks and always has a strong one-liner to give us pre-show about our other co-host Trey who is not here. Give it up for long-time guest and uh, might as well always be a guest at this point. At Detroit Beastie Chris Robin on Twitter. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. Thank Welcome you back. so much for, yeah, uh, anytime you reach out, you know I'm there. I, I've told you uh, going on probably a year now. All I need is 10, just give me a 10, 15-minute heads up if you're ever in a pinch or you need something, uh, and I'm there. And I uh, I think I've made good on it so far in you know, a little bit over a year. So uh, always, always great to be here with you guys. It's, it's, uh, it's good, fun, light conversation. It's, uh, I mean, some broadcasts are heavy hitting and they're serious, but for the most part, what I've noticed, people like that fun, fun, loving vibe that, that we got going, you know, when we're together. So, uh, ready to roll. Yeah. I love, I love to have good, fun, loving, light conversation. Um, and you know, when you said that immediately came to my mind, your, uh, talk on, how Twitter is so toxic for uh, fantasy football. And I think that's a good reference point to, you know, say that we can be deep sometimes. And Twitter, this is the season where Twitter loves to be at its most prevalent, I would say. Yeah. Pre-draft season, um, we know where all the big free agents have signed so basic, I, I mean, we're basically set here. Like we, we know um, a lot of things and we can start making some serious predictions. And so Twitter likes to start doing that. So um, in light of Chris's comment, be wary on Twitter still. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're here. We're here to help here at the wow. Dynasty Force podcast. Real fast, if I may have just a minute or two. Sure. Uh, I, I've never understood because I, I like much like all of us were thinking 24 7, even when I'm sleeping, I'm dreaming and I'm waking up to write stuff down. Like my brain is always going in right, a positive right. way. I don't want to say like I'm manic or over the edge, but <laughs> no, you, I'm you always kind of are a psychopath, but at the I'm same always, time, it's fine. 
strategic, you know, thinking and every every move, you know, that I make is cool and calculated. And I've never understood the idea uh, behind, you know, on social media behind, uh, you know, calling people out or, or putting people down or calling them names. It, it First of all, it's not productive. And second of all, what, what's to gain? Like, I've never once seen someone go, you know what, Billy? You're a dummy. You got nothing good to say. You're awful. We don't even uh, we don't even think it's you. You're a burner account. You got nothing going on. We want nothing to do with you. Not one time have I ever heard or saw, you know, the person being an asshole. Up, oh, he's got to, he's got a million followers. You're people lucky. really People You're really want to know what this guy has to say. That's kind of stuff I, I've gets you nowhere, even in, in regular, real, everyday life. You know, being yeah. mean, being rude, and I think people people lose focus. They think, you know, I'm I'm a, a, a social media justice warrior. I'm here like Captain Planet. I'm here to call people out, and I'm here to put people down. And that's what the people want. That's what people deserve. No, you look like a douche. You got to quit doing it. <laughs> Uh, I agree completely, I you, Chris. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a. I think we're off to a strong start here on our on our first rookie edition of the podcast. Um, we are going to be discussing rookie running backs today. Um, we have six running backs to talk about mainly. Uh, we each came up with our own top five, and basically the same six are in the top five in some different order uh some people have some people left out but you know uh we'll come up or come out with our consensus we'll talk about where each of us have them ranked trey at ff superflex guru will be in probably around mid show um so until then i guess we'll we'll hold the seat for him and, and keep it warm um i will <laughs> great great billy i like the little <laughs> the little tidbit um for those who hear those little those little grunts from Billy, he is into his bets and everything as we speak. So uh, you may hear that throughout the pod. So don't feel don't feel concerned about what you're hearing that something serious is going on. Now he's he's just potentially losing some money. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, rookie running backs on the podcast today we also have a little bit of news to break down but before we do that let's hit the quick question which in light of the rookie running backs and the future additions uh for our podcast at dynasty force pod on twitter by the way and dynasty force podcast on youtube feel free to check us out live on wednesdays uh, tend to be around 4.30, a little later today, but in the future we will stay around 4.30 and then live on all social, or I'm sorry, listening platforms the next day, Thursday, around, uh, you know, sometime in the morning we should we should be on. And you can find us with the Search of Dynasty Force podcast. Um, but yes, back to this podcast. We are at our quick question today, which is, in light of our rookie scouting and review here, I'll kick it off to Chris as our guest, as I normally do. First crack at it. What is your method to scouting rookies? Now, I know a lot of people are film guys specifically. I know a lot of people are statistic guys specifically and dive themselves in. And I know a few, a lot less people, I feel like, that are both. But I feel like I I feel like 
you kind of got to be both. And I'm not sure if you agree with this, Chris, but I do want to know what, what your method is when you are looking at rookies coming into the NFL. Well, I've never made uh, any claims that I was a big numbers guy or I'm a big analytics guy. I'd like to think in a perfect world, I'm able to do all of it. Oh, I'm able to do all of it. Okay. None of it very well. I'm just since day one, I'm just, you know, straight line, you know, into DFS. And that's how I'm always thinking. I'm just predisposed, you know, in money and and snap percentages and things along those lines. But when it comes to rookies, I I keep it simple. I find, and, and again, I'm not putting anybody down. All I can ever do is speak to my process and what I do to me, to keep it simple. I just watch film, you know, at at a, at a slow rate, at a slow clip And I'm just looking for, you know, the eye test. The eye test will tell you a lot of what you need to know. It's when you start talking, you know, 40 times or BMIs. That's when, you know, when the claws come out and people get upset. You know, you're comparing two players, you know, based on, I I don't want to say hypothetical numbers or sprinting times or, you know, their vertical jumps here. But the eye test personally, to me, tells me everything I need to know. And again, take that with a grain of salt because I'm not, uh, people don't look at me as a guy uh you know looking for information on the scouting or the combine or, or you know when it comes to that kind of thing so i'm able to just get by treading water if that makes any sense i'm not really good at either one but i enjoy it and that's all i mean i guess that's that's good enough for me if i enjoy it, i enjoy talking people enjoy hearing me so I, i'm going to say you know if this was a game show and if it was jeopardy i would say rob uh i just i do the eye test i like what i see uh, we all watch football <laughs> what you know, is the eye test what is the eye test? We yes. all watch football an enormous amount, even in the off season and in season. It's insane. College, NFL here. Uh, again, I watch cl- random clips. I don't splice anything together. I'm not digging, you know, really deep on the stuff. It's boom. It's right there in front of you. Everybody has information at the at the tip of their fingers. So uh, I do the eye test, and then again, I will. Uh, one of my favorite stats of all time is just you know snap percentage. How how often are these guys and these kids on the field if they're not on the field they're not going to produce i mean that's pretty simple you know an eight-year-old child could could tell you that but i'm an eye test guy plain and simple and then kind of you know like if i make soup if i make chicken noodle soup put a little pepper put a little bit of salt some garlic whatever that's what i do throughout the off season i add a little bmi i add a little 40 time little vertical jump and that's how it is yeah uh bill how about you how about how are you kind of looking at running backs and what what does that process look like for you? To be honest with you, Rob, I'm a little bit like different than other people because like like Chris said, the eye test is a big thing for me, but I know the eye test doesn't solve all the answers. So I just go to the experts. You try to get into good conversation with people that do these rookie type of things every year, like the people that fucking really watch college football and they're grinding out the tape study like that. And then I kind of mix and match what I think of the eye test, what I already know. So that's the 40 time, what their weight looks like, what are the comparable players around that type of weight size and type of workload production in college, compare it with the experts. And then you kind of, like Chris said, you get a little bit of salt, you get a little bit of pepper, you get a little oregano, and then you kind of mix it all together. And then you got a nice little team. But uh, with every position, I feel like you got to have different things that you're looking for so for running backs I really look for uh were you used a lot in um college as a three down back because that's such a big important thing 
in uh, the NFL because with some people, they kind of get into situations where they can push themselves right into a starting role. And then for other people, it takes a little bit longer and stuff like that. So that's one thing that you really got to look out for and stuff. But um, overall, if you can avoid some big injuries and stuff like that, that's another thing you got to look out for. Look at the medical reports and stuff like that. And um, I think this in, I think this class is very interesting that's coming in because there's a lot of unknowns, but there's a lot of knowns too. And this might be one of the classes where we look back at three to four years from now and be like, man, were we so wrong? Yeah, man, I, I feel, I feel that definitely. Um, man, as, as far as my process um, to throw in there, I, in the past, I've been a film guy for the most part and really like strictly. Um, but this year I decided that it would, it would be helpful to kind of throw in a little statistics to, to help, you know, especially with certain players who I kind of see on film and they look kind of similar to me and I think their upside can be similar. I can kind of turn back to those statistics as kind of like a uh, tiebreaker of sorts and, and give me that sort of long-term uh, perspective or compare them to past players uh, and, and things of that nature. We are going to be using throughout this episode the Player Profiler website, uh, which is a product of, I believe, Roto Underworld. So, yeah, I mean, that's a very good way to be able to check a lot of these statistics very quickly, very easily. So we'll be showing that pot or that page on uh, the Internet through with each um, running back that we talk about. And, yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot that goes into it for me. Chris mentioned the BMI. Um, I'm not super huge on the BMI from, from this year, but... I'll, I'll talk about it more specifically with a particular prospect that we'll we'll be heading into. Um, I I'm not huge on the spark score either because I feel like that's just especially this year I feel like it's just kind of an estimate. Um, but it's hard to ignore a forty time for a running back specifically, and then I also like to look at yards per carry, especially. I like to factor in the workload with that, the target share and the um, the overall usage of the running back. Like if they had a lot of work and they were still extremely efficient, that's something that I really, really like to see. But if they don't have a lot of work, but they were extremely efficient, that kind of tells me that they're more of a home run hitter. Um, so I, you know, maybe that's not something you count on so much in the NFL, but uh yeah, I, I mean, basically, that's my quick initial process. I turn to the film first, and then from the film, I kind of make my first guess. Then I turn to the stats, and then I see if there's any differentiators there, any anything that stands out to me that kind of pushes a prospect ahead of another for any specific reason. Um, yeah, as mentioned... We have some news, so we'll head into that before we head into the rookies. And really, only one piece of news to talk about, but it's pretty sizable piece of news coming in when the New York Jets put themselves in the news this week by trading Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. They 
received a 2021 sixth round pick, a 2022 second, and a 2022 fourth round pick in return for Sam Darnold, who is still only 23 years old. Uh, Let me turn to Billy here first. Bill, I guess the first question is, what do you really think about Carolina? How does this change their team? And what is the outlook for Sam Darnold and company there in Carolina? To be honest with you, it really kind of makes the situation a little bit murky. But um, because is Sam Darnold good or is he bad? I mean, I think uh, the Jets are just like nobody's going to look in that offense right now with freaking Adam Gase as the coach at that time. But um, I think overall, though, it could be worse. But, man, it doesn't make me excited, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the one thing that I will point to for the Carolina Panthers, having Christian McCaffrey as your running back makes things a lot easier, number yeah. one. I'll say that. Um, Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold did have a very good connection when Sam Darnold was in New York. So that is something to look forward to. Robbie Anderson played the number one wide receiver role for a lot of last season. Uh, DJ Moore is very talented there, too. They lost Curtis Samuel, but uh, they still have those two. And then, you know, they're also in the conversation at eight to take a guy like Kyle Pitts. So if they surround uh, Sam Darnold with weapons like Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Kyle Pitts, Christian McCaffrey it's going to be kind of hard for him to not succeed. The one point I will say against them, though, the Carolina Panthers, their offensive line last season, not very impressive. They've made some efforts to try and fix that, but those efforts have not been exciting, I'll say. (laughs) They've kind of been like mediocre stopgaps. So let me head over to Chris here. Chris, would you... I don't have a specific price in mind, I guess, but would you be buying Sam Darnold right now in fantasy? Would you be taking the shot that he can succeed in Carolina? Absolutely. And I I don't know if if either of you have seen it, but Carolina put out a hype video uh, surrounding Sam Darnold. Like the the kid can play. He was just at talk about murky, Billy. It was murky in New York because the the team had no direction. You know, Adam Gase and what they were doing there, they really didn't know. They're just kind of put in this position and talk about murky. I would say it's even worse than murky, whatever that is. Muddy, murky, clear. I don't know the, the levels of the clarity to water or horrible crap situations here but Sam Darnold going to Carolina is going to be fantastic and I'll tell you why Rob you touched on it having Christian McCaffrey to kind of fall back on if if needed is a great plan with uh, DJ Moore and then even Robbie Anderson there Sam Darnold's going to be fine he's going to be okay and you talk about a, a guy he's not even a guy he's a kid he's 23 years old you go from like such an awful situation it was like uh, the house of horrors you know at MetLife or wherever the Jets played they share with the Giants there but Sam Darnold moments after he was traded he threw a party for his friends and his girlfriend <laughs> and everybody's hanging out and they're Thank playing beer pong and 
Like, so he's excited. He's happy. He's rejuvenated. He's going to Carolina and really sink his teeth in or his claws in to, to what they have going there. And with everything that Carolina has to offer from an offensive standpoint, with their head coach, with their offensive coordinator, Sam Darnold is going to, to flourish in that, in that system. And I would, I would not be, I would bet everything I have, Billy. It's not much, but I would be willing to bet, you know, everything that I have in my FanDuel account right now which is substantial, you know, I could show you, but I think that Sam Darnold is going to be unbelievably good this coming season. And, you know, there's going to be groups of people that say, well, hey, look, I told you so. And then there's going to be groups of people that said, yeah, I told you so. Nobody's going to say, well, I never talked bad about Sam Darnold. I, in the back of my mind, I always saw it coming. And then you're going to get the screenshots and the receipts as they come. It's going to be a nasty situation, but as long as Sam Darnold comes out on the other end uh, better off for it, then I'm all for it, and he will. I'm telling you now, Sam Darnold is going to be fantastic in Carolina. Interesting. I Listen, Trey and I, um, and we talked about this with you on the podcast, Chris, because I, I know this was an episode where um, – I forget. I know we were talking about Zeke and and like how he was. Everyone was selling on Zeke, and it was like not something that everyone should be doing. And you know, it was like a panic sell sort of situation. And I know I spoke with you and Trey about a trade that Trey and I had made, which was like basically a swap where we were trading like Zeke, Clyde Edward, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and there were like a few other pieces involved. I ended up giving up Allen Robinson, getting back Noah Fant, and one of the quarterback sort of swaps that we made was he gave me Sam Darnold, and then I gave him Taysom Hill. So, I mean, the the way that that situation is kind of working out there, I personally feel a little better about having Sam Darnold now than Taysom Hill. And I believe... I mean, I, I think it's pretty guaranteed that Sam Darnold's going to be the starter. I Like, even if – who's who would they take at eight? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who would they take at eight that could potentially even usurp Sam Darnold? I'm not, you know, thinking – maybe they get lucky in a guy like Trey Lance or even maybe Mac Jones or, or Justin Fields falls to them at eight. I feel like Sam Darnold's going to get the first shot regardless. And I'm willing to take that chance. Um, I really don't think they spend uh, the eighth overall pick on a quarterback right now just because of a situation like that. I know they really wanted Deshaun Watson, but that situation I would prefer not to talk about on the podcast because who knows where Deshaun Watson is going to end up right now with the investigation against him for his sexual misconduct, I will say, and his harassment. Not good. And, and you know, it, it it could all be false, but I'm willing to bet that it's not, you know, all the all the twenty some reports against him could be false, but and a lot of people do tend to think that they are false, but I mean we don't have any evidence against it. And I would rather believe twenty one people saying the same exact thing than believe one person who I thought was a good person, even though I'm I had no idea who they were. I'm calling yeah, I, I mean, you can, but free, hashtag free to show him Watson, man. The free thing Watson. is, though, I'm the thing is, though, let let us find out two months down the road that this actually happened. Like it, you know, you you can't you can't say either way. That's basically what I'm saying. You can't say either way, and because of that, it puts 
who Carolina in a very murky situation, murky, talk about murky. They were sitting there trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. Well, now imagine you give up the entire farm for a guy who this comes out as it being true. And now he, I, I don't know what would happen in as far as the NFL term. Probably not a lot, probably like a half game, a half season suspension because it's the NFL. But just a quick little, basically uh, the Carolina Panthers had to reassess after the 49ers traded up to three and after all this news with Sean Watson was coming out, they had to reassess. They went out and got Sam Darnold. I think they stick with Sam Darnold for the year. Give him I, really quick. Give him the potential. I just want to say that Carolina at, at their draft selection at eight, I, they, I, they must be thinking they're playing with house's money right now. They got a young kid in a, in Sam Darnold and they didn't really have to give up anything. They gave up a, you know, maybe a, a second or a third, if I'm not mistaken, but next year. So yeah. you know, if they're so realistically, they have two first round picks this year. One of them was Sam Darnold and the other one will be whatever they choose to whoever they choose, excuse me, to select at number eight this season. I, I, almost certain that they're going to hammer home, you know, the offensive side of the ball on the first, you know, two selections here in this draft. No, absolutely no way they draft a quarterback eighth overall. Just no way. No way. I will I will cut off my left ear live on your show if they draft a quarterback eighth overall. It's just not happening. I you don't have to do that. Um I if you really want to do that, feel free. But uh this I just want to want you to you know, feel the conviction and how right, 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 right. You know, how strongly I feel about that thing. So, you know, I'm not taking away anything from anybody that doesn't have an ear, not putting it. <laughs> I'm just saying that there is absolutely no shot that Carolina drafts the quarterback at eight overall. Who's the dude that got his ear bit off by Mike Tyson? I can't even, I don't Holy even know his name. Holy, Holy field. Come on, bro. Oh my gosh. I'm not up on boxing. Boxing is not my forte. Um, but man, Vander Holyfield's taking that pretty uh pretty seriously right now. Those those accusations of being earless. Um, let's move on to our main segment here from Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. By the way, as far as the New York Jets, real quick, we all knew that they were going to draft a quarterback at two because of the way that they were handling things the way they didn't trade down with the 49ers, the way that the media has talked about their love of Zach Wilson. This just ensures it. So, you know, we'll assess that more in the future, but like I said, we, we kind of expected it to come at this point. So it's nothing out of the unexpected here for New York. They will have a new quarterback this year, but let's get into the main segment. The, most exciting portion of the show, the running backs, the review of the incoming rookies. So here's how we're going to do it. I have a consensus here of the three of us plus Trey, and Trey will be joining us at some point, uh, hopefully here soon. So it'll be a consensus rank, and we'll go down the list by the consensus before, and then you know, with each name, I'll give you uh, where we each rank them. And then I'll kind of hit over to whoever has them highest first. They can kind of, you know, talk about why they like that person so much. And whoever has them lowest next so that they can talk about their points against them. And then from there, 
if any of anyone else really wants to pitch anything in that wasn't necessarily seen. So let's start here with. Uh, actually, I just realized I did say I would show the player profiler. So if you are on Twitter or YouTube, you get this little extra feature of being able to see running back one, Najee Harris, running back out of Alabama. He is our consensus 1.25 running back. Uh, Bill, Trey, and I all have him as the running back one overall in this class. Detroit Beastie, Chris, is the one person in this list who does not have him number one. He has him number two. So for this, I will head over to Billy Brisbane first. Why are you so in love in this situation with Najee Harris enough to have him as your number one overall back? He just seems like a slam dunk. Just look at that, man. Six one two thirty. You that it just seems like if you built a running back out of Madden, um, three down back with size, skill set, make an impact since day one. Um, I think his landing spot doesn't really matter either. So if you're doing like early drafts and stuff like that, that include rookies, so like startup drafts, um, it really doesn't matter. I think he's the one or two in super flex leagues. Obviously, one on one would be, um, Trevor Lawrence, but. I think you can make a case if you're running back needy, you can definitely go with Najee Harris. Um, I think once we get in the redraft season, he'll probably be like a second, third round pick. Yeah, um, Najee Harris. I, I, I've heard mainly first round talk about Harris and then maybe a little bit of Travis Etienne. But uh, Najee Harris, mainly the, the first round pick here. Um, I'm going to highlight some sort of statistic terms to explain them a little bit. So if you hear us talk about it later on in the show, then you know what we're talking about specifically. So BMI, the body mass index, it says here running backs are generally more productive or with higher uh, BMIs are generally more productive and durable. It says a BMI of 32.0 higher than that is considered extraordinary. Um, so when referring to BMI for Najee Harris, 30.3 for his BMI, which is 53rd, which actually is not as high as you would think someone at 6'1", 230 would be. You know, you'd kind of think he's like a big, bulky, bulky kind of Marshawn Lynch, Derrick Henry type of guy. But he's actually not super beefy with the BMI there. Um, though he is definitely, don't hear what I'm not saying, he is definitely built to last and sustain huge workloads in the NFL. Um, let me turn real quick. College dominator rating, that's the percentage of running backs team. Running backs, total team yards and touchdowns, uh, 40% is the number that you kind of look for there. That's basically saying if he's a workhorse for the team. Billy was talking about earlier, one of the numbers that he looks for is if a guy is a three-down back in college. If they are getting that work, if they are getting an extraordinary amount of work, if they're putting up a ton of yards, they're putting up a ton of touchdowns, they'll have that high dominator rating, and you'll be interested. 71st percentile for Harris isn't fantastic, but it is up there. It's something that you'd like to see. Can I say one last thing, though? Uh, Go ahead, One thing on this website that's really cool that they have is uh, players' breakout age and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. 
breakout age, I don't believe they have for running backs. I do believe it is more for wide receivers. Um, but I do know exactly what you're talking service. What's that? I, it might be a premium service. I definitely have seen it in the wide receiver department, though. I, I know that breakout age is definitely something that a lot of people turn to. I'm just pulling up a wide receiver really quick here to to be able to see. Um, breakout age is listed for wide receivers. So I do know that it's it's kind of more of a – I don't know if it's more looked at necessarily – uh, in that sense for a wide receiver, but I do know that it is listed for them and not necessarily for running backs. Um, anything else I kind of want to... College target share, that's pretty... Spe- or uh, Not specific, what's the word? Uh, self-explanatory is the word. And then the spark score, which is just a kind of approximation of their combined speed, power, agility, reaction, and quickness. It's an approximation. And then they also have their stats here, which we can look through all four years. So I'm going to turn to Chris now, uh, because Chris, you did have him the lowest of the four of us. You had him at number two, which is not that low, but it is still lower than one. So Chris, if you want to dive in there, there is one player that you have ahead of him. I don't really want to spoil it because it is spicy, but, uh, yeah, uh, any reason why you like Najee Harris a little less? Why? Well, you say I have him lower. He's number two. It could, it's not like he's all the way down at, at top you know, top 20 out of 100 here. And Najee Harris is fantastic, but, again, they always say, you know, coach the, coach the player, not the helmet here. Najee Harris is going to be fine. But if you look at a couple of things, he's got elite vision. He's improved in that throughout his career. Rarely is he tackled after, you know, first contact. Uh, he has a couple of things to work on, and I'm not trying to put any anybody down but uh he he needs to stand in there more you know in terms of blitzing and getting jolted or jolting a defender here but Harris any way you slice it you can't go wrong and again I like to look into a crystal ball here and kind of figure it out and again I'll spoil it I have Javante Williams number one just ahead of him based on everything we've done and everything we've read where I project Javante Williams to go Javante is going I know we're you know getting ahead of the game here but Javante will be a top 15 running back after he's drafted to the Miami Dolphins. I'm just there. I just said it. I don't blame you, actually. When I was going through this process, I was just going with, like, pre-landing spots. But if he lands in the right spot, uh, one thing that really surprised me when we get into the rankings is how high they have Michael Carter. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Najee Harris – I, I I do think if Javante Williams went to Miami, I mean, it depends then where Najee Harris goes because if he lands somewhere like Pittsburgh or Atlanta where you know he's going to be a three-down back, I don't know. That's tough. That's the thing. That That's a whole nother broadcast. That's a whole nother situation. Right. And again, I've said it for months now. What Atlanta does at number four overall at the end of, uh, of this month in the draft, that's going to be the linchpin. It's going to you know shake out the, the top 10 after them, depending on what Atlanta does. Is Atlanta going to draft a running back fourth overall, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne? Absolutely not. More than likely, they're the star wide receiver, Jamar Chase, maybe. But maybe they do grab a quarterback. Who knows? All I'm saying is I have this feeling and might as well run with it. I've always been open and honest with you guys. Uh, I firmly believe Javante Williams will be the first running back drafted and it'll be in the, the Miami Dolphins. Interesting. 
Uh, Javante Williams is someone that we will get to. He is third in our consensus rank, so we will be there soon enough for Chris to talk all about his love of uh, Najee Harris. As far as, or I'm sorry, as for his love of Javante Williams. As far as Najee Harris, to kind of close out here, when I went and looked at the film, because I, I do have this um, typed up, I just really think that Najee Harris is a safe pick. I really think that he is a guy who's going to come in and he can definitely be a three down back. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to highlight here is you see the this number highlighted for his college target share of 13.4%. That's only his last season. Uh, the first two seasons, he really wasn't that involved in the passing game, then stepped it up in 2019 and really stepped it up in 2020. He is a little older. He's currently 23, but I do believe he can be a three down back and he can be a very strong three down back. I think he can be a very, you know, heavy, heavily used in between the tackles runner. I don't think he's necessarily going to be like a Christian McCaffrey sort of guy or Saquon in the passing game, but he can be serviceable in that department. I think he's got that kind of upside to be just a solid top five running back for years to come and sustain a strong workload to keep him in that department. So I like safety is, is where we're at. Like I think other guys in this class have a higher ceiling if they hit their ceiling, but I do believe that Harris's floor is the highest of all of the running backs that are in this class, which is why I would probably have him at number one. So Najee Harris, number one running back for us. Uh, yeah, I mean, not much else to say. He's He's got a lot going on. He's from Alabama, which has pumped out a lot of successful running backs lately. So it's kind of the bloodline you can look forward to and, uh, you know, hope to say that uh, that lineage should continue. Now, number two on our list for our consensus 2.25 here is going to be Travis Etienne running back out of Clemson. Travis Etienne is number two on Trey bill and mine. Uh, I'm just finding his player profiler here to pull up. Uh, he is number two on all three of our lists. He is number three on Chris's list. Again, Chris mentioned Javante Williams there as a guy that he likes more than both Etienne and Harris. So uh, let me head over to Billy. You want to talk about Travis Etienne, what you liked from what you uh, are able to see on film from him? Yeah, he's actually a really interesting one because um, he was one of the pro days that I actually really cared about. Um, or should I say, whatever, how they're doing it nowadays with COVID and yeah. stuff like that. Um, he finished 15th all-time in uh, scrimmage yards in NCAA history. Home run ability improved as a receiver each year. My concerns about ETN was his ability to have the huge carry uh, totals at the next level. Um, he just has one game on his resume with 20-plus carries since 2018, which is kind of weird. Um, he looked good at his pro day. The weight was a big question at the NFL level. Um, he actually weighed in, I would say, in October 190, played majority of the season at 200, and then on his pro day weighed in at 215. 
So he answered a lot of questions. Um, I think that's the reason why his 40 time came down a little bit. But um, good signs for ETN because before that pro day, I had Javante Williams ahead of him. Interesting. I do like how you mentioned home run hitting ability for ETN. He's got that breakaway speed. He is someone who has that potential. Like, I don't want to say that he is guaranteed to be. I think he has the best ceiling of anyone in this class is what I'll say. How I'll get there. I wouldn't say that, though. I wouldn't say that. Interesting. Who... I mean, as far as hitting that ceiling, is there a specific person, a specific name that you specifically would want to highlight there for, you know, they hit their ceiling, their ceiling's going to be higher than ETN? Yeah, uh, Javante Williams, like uh, Chris was talking about, how he has him at number one. Interesting. The only reason that I would say ETN over uh, Williams is because I believe that ETN no matter where he goes and how consistently he is used, he is going to be used in the passing game because he's a very good pass catcher. Um, the the 12.2% college target share there, uh, that's kind of a little deceiving because that's, you know, last season, the 60 targets, he caught 48 of them. But you can see that he, over the last two years, has been consistently involved in the passing game and he improved a lot in that department over the last few seasons. And we mentioned the home run hitting ability. He's always been heavily, you know, high yards per carry here, 6.6 yards per carry uh, in his career. And then beyond that, you look at the yards per carry in total. He only had 107 rush attempts in his uh, rookie seat or not rookie freshman season. Um, but that led to 7.2 yards per carry, 204 in his sophomore season, 207 in his junior year, 168 last season, 168 attempts, really not nothing to write home about. And his efficiency did drop. So his total, you know, outlook after this season, it dropped a little bit from where we were last season. That said, I do believe that, like I, I personally said, I believe ETN, especially because the passing game work and the ability to hit on the home run ball, I really think that ETN has the highest upside in this in this draft class. If he and the, you know a number two there that you see is the BMI. You, Billy, you mentioned with the weight and how that was a little bit of a concern for ETN um, heading into the season, coming out of the. Uh, college football season um, and then him weighing 215 at the pro day that bumped his BMI all the way up to 30.8, which is not the highest that it could potentially be, but um, it is in the same stratosphere uh, as Nashi Harris, which is, you know, a a good number to be around. Nashi is a guy who you want to be, you know, compared to when it comes to, can you withstand the NFL work? So I think his increase in the BMI, his ability to hit on the home run ball, his ability in the passing game, I think all of this leads to him potentially having the highest ceiling of anyone in this class. Um, but I mean, that I'm not going to say that, you know, it's completely, uh, 
you know, a, a guaranteed thing because I do believe that there is a situation where ETN may not be the best. I don't want to say he's not the best in between tackle guy, but maybe he goes to a landing spot where prefer someone else to chug out the, uh, the short yardage work. And then maybe he doesn't get the goal line work and that kind of hits his upside. Um, there are certain play, like a lot of people like to compare him to a guy like Alvin Kamara there are a lot of arguments to be made about, you know, goal line usage for smaller backs because certain guys are efficient and can make it work. But, you know, it, it remains to be seen because certain teams trust who they trust, they have who they have, and they play who they play. And I can't, you know, Travis Etienne landing with a team, being the clear-cut three-down back, being the clear-cut goal line back, that would change a lot of things for me, and I would feel a lot more confident about ETN in his NFL future. Bill, anything else you want to throw in there on ETN? Um, a little older at 22, but not as old as Nashi, uh, and he does have a full pro day from what we can see here to work with on player profiler. Um, really good receiver. I would yes. really, I really would give him that. Other than that, now. All right. Uh, Chris would be our guy to talk shit on Najee, or I'm sorry, not Najee, Travis Etienne. Um, but he uh, looks like he had to sign out real quick. So um, that is not a problem. Computer but in the meantime, what's that? Computer probably died. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we'll move on here to what's funny is um, Chris's favorite prospect here the guy we've kind of been alluding to him being chris's number one running back javante williams running back out of north carolina um as far as the consensus rank williams is our 2.75 so he is 0.5 beneath etn uh on the back of chris because chris has him at number one not that uh, any of us have him super low, but I have him at three. Bill, you have him at three. Trey actually has him at four. So um, Trey actually a little lower on Javante Williams than the rest of us. But since neither of them are here at the moment, Bill, I'll kick it over to you. I'm sure you know you've you've kind of jumped onto the Javante Williams bandwagon a bit here. So. Is there something specific you'd like to talk about with what you love about Javante Williams? By the way, future Falcon Javante Williams, I will say, because Bill or uh, Chris said future Miami Dolphin. I disagree. Future Falcon Javante Williams. Yeah, the crazy thing about Javante Williams is that um, the records that he broke for Pro Football Focus, um, he earned the highest rushing grade at nine point five nine. That's the highest that pro football focus has ever given. He led the nation with 75 forced uh, missed tackles, so 48% missed tackle rate, which is a pro football focus record, and ranked second in pro football focus uh, elusive rating and second in rushing attempts of 15-plus yards. And uh, that's pretty crazy because he had a really good running back in his backfield. Um, I think that he has the highest ceiling in the class. Interesting. So you mentioned I mean, he has dude, name another running back that broke 
three pro football focus. Right. Players. Like that's great. No, I I completely agree with you. He he's very he's a he's a great prospect. Um there's a few things I want to point out here for Javante Williams. Number one, um God, I I missed my I have it in my mind the first point specifically. But um I'll I'll skip that first point. All right. So let's look at the stats here for Javante Williams. I apologize for the screw up. But 5'10, 220, he's actually a bit thicker, I'll say, than uh the other running backs that we've looked at, especially when you look at the BMI 31.6. Uh that's a little lower than their ideal uh BMI at 32. Um college dominator rating at 30% 69th. I think that's actually really good considering as you mentioned Bill, he shared the backfield. Oh, that's the point that I was going to make. He shared the backfield with another running back that we um are going to talk about today and Michael Carter. So for a running back to have a 30% dominator rating when he is sharing the backfield with another running back who is also potentially a mid-round pick in this draft. Um, I, I think it says a lot. I, I really think that Javante is kind of, you know, like the stats, especially the pro football focus stats, they're really shining in favor of Javante Williams. 7.3 yards per carry, that's on point with the missed tackle aspect of it. They have but the, him ranked I, as a number one by a wide margin. Like. Yeah. Like I'll read you off their rankings for their running backs. Um Najee Harris is at one, and then number two is Williams, and then that's like a tear drop off. My fault to cut you off. No, you're good. Um I I think the point too I was specifically gonna make here is the college target share of Javante Williams. Eight point four percent does not seem like a lot. Uh in the NFL it really would not be that much. But you come down here. First season, uh, 11 targets, nothing to really write home about. 17 targets, nothing to super, you know, be super excited about. But 30 targets last year uh, and 25 receptions. I think that says a lot, especially considering that he's sharing the backfield with a guy like Michael Carter, who is a passing down specialist. So I really believe that Javante Williams, like, I think he's bound for a three down workload as well. Like I, I really think that he's going to be a second round pick. He's going to be a guy who can be relied on. I would be very happy if the Atlanta Falcons took him with their early second round pick. Um, even though he's more so projected to be a late second in a lot of mock drafts. Um, but he can do it all. He doesn't necessarily excel in the passing game, but he's more so a guy who is going to go out there and be able to catch passes. And sometimes that's all you really need. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, for example, are a team that doesn't heavily target running back position as it is. So that would be a, that would be a good landing spot for him, um, personally speaking. And then, you know, just go watch Javante Williams tape because he never, never gets tackled on the first carry uh, or the first tackler. I should say, you know, you, everyone says that with, uh, with Najee Harris, but I think especially with Javante Williams, 
I really, you know, I, there were multiple plays, unless there were multiple guys in the backfield, there were plays where Javante Williams immediately gets the ball, immediately has a guy in his face and still finds a way to get out of there. So I'm really excited for Javante Williams. I, I think three, for me, I am probably going to keep him at three. Um, despite the, the hype from today, I, I do believe three is a good spot for Javante because I think his floor and, and to play kind of devil's advocate here, he could land, land in a situation where he isn't used as a pass catcher. And then he's used with a compliment where there's a guy who I don't know. I'm trying to think of a specific situation where there's a guy in the same backfield where Javante Williams really only gets short yardage work and has to make do with that, especially for the first season. I think, especially in the first season, that's realistic. There is a chance that it happens, and he's just kind of used as a depth guy. If he landed in a place like Buffalo, I really wouldn't be that excited. Um, There are situations where his ceiling can be capped. So I think I do want to highlight that, and that he's... No one in this class is a perfect prospect, but I do think that that is a point that you can highlight against... Javante Williams. All right, so three down, three to go. We got three more running backs to talk about before we head out of here, Billy. So let's head into running back number four on our consensus list. He is 4.5 according to our consensus rankings combined. I and Trey have this man at running back five. Bill, you and Chris have this man at running back four, and this is a man that you have been excited about all offseason, talking about getting on the bandwagon early and often. Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State. Bill, I'll let you head into it. What what so excites you about a guy like Chuba Hubbard? Um. Well, for starters, since last season, we're throwing that one out the window. But um, he should have definitely declared for the draft like a season early. But he should have. Other than that, um, he has really good uh, 5.1 yards per snap, which was over a yard more than any other incoming uh, rookie's best year. So that's something that really caught my eye. So that means he's a really good, good home run hitter when I watched him. I tape wise, he reminds me a lot of like a healthy Matt Breida. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the one. All right. So there's two things that I really want to highlight here. When we look at the college profiler for Chuba Hubbard, number one thing I want to highlight, by the way, you may be seeing this best comparable at the top. Please don't like pay super close attention to that because Every player is kind of different. It, it's a best comparable. It's not saying that Chuba is going to be Tevin Coleman in his career. It's it's not the same sort of thing. It's just that his numbers compare well Tevin with Coleman Tevin Coleman. Coleman once was a really high-regarded prospect. That's not right. He not was. He was. That those Atlanta Falcon days when he was a a one-two punch with Devontae Freeman. Man, that was those were the days. Don't don't let me reminisce. Um, but on the topic of Chuba Hubbard, the two numbers I really want to point out, and Bill, you may know where I'm going in this direction. Number one, BMI, 28.2. That's 13th percentile. That's really not exciting. It's something that can concern you because you could be sitting here looking at the long-term outlook of Chuba Hubbard. 
Bill, you mentioned he reminds you of a healthy Matt Breida. The BMI can indicate that maybe he doesn't have what it takes to sustain that uh, that heavy workload in the NFL and become a sort of healthy long-term Matt Breida. Because if that happens, um, I one of two things could happen in this sense. Number one, he could get a he could turn into like a carry on Johnson situation in Detroit where he gets the job and he gets the opportunity, but he just can't stay healthy. He can't keep it together. And if he can't keep it together, then they're going to draft his replacement. And he's kind of, you know, falling apart. That could happen. Or number two, he could be a complimentary back hit on those uh, home run plays that he can hit on and do well in the passing game that he can do well in, but not be the full down or full three down workhorse that you're kind of shooting for. Um, the other number that I really want to highlight here is the college dominator rating because it indicates exactly the opposite 40.4% college dominator rating that puts him in the 91st percentile. It really shows that he can do it all and he's very just, he can be that workhorse. So there are, there are instances where. BMI can be broken. Like it, it's not the end all be all. Like a guy has a small or a short or whatever BMI. That does not mean that he cannot be a lasting success in the NFL, but it's just hard to guess, especially in going to a school like Oklahoma state, where we all know the big 12 is not known for defense. Um, and Bill also mentioned you want to throw out that last year at Oklahoma State. Something just kind of was off. Seven games, his stats really took a, a dive. You can see here, six yards a carry, 6.4 yards per carry. And um, I do believe he had the option to opt out last season and did not. So there's a lot to look at with Chuba. I have him at four, or I'm sorry, I have him at four, right? I believe I have him at four. Um, I have him at five, actually. I'm at five mainly because of the BMI, I think, because I compare him with Michael Carter, who we'll get into next. But Michael Carter is a guy that I like a little better than Chuba Hubbard, specifically because of the BMI, because when I watch him on the field, I don't think there's such a big gap in the talent between the two of them where I would rather take the shot on the guy where I feel like if they're going to have a potentially similar career with similar upsides that I'll take the guy who can last longer in that situation. And the BMI of Michael Carter suggests that he can. So that's my opinion on Chuba and um, his, his potential upside. Is why I, rank him here, man? I haven't heard you talk about this much BMI ever. Listen, man, it is 2021. We have to adapt to change. We have to adapt to no, uh, no combine, no pro Popeyes, day. Four out of seven days of the week. I don't care about the <laughs> Listen, man. Like a year or two from now. First of all, Popeyes is probably the worst thing that you could have, bro. Have you been in a Popeyes recently? Because all they they started putting like salt, dangerously high salt content warnings on like every single one of their products, and Not now surprised. I'm. I'm kind of I'm kind of scared to go into Popeyes anymore because it, it's concerning to take a look at and then just 
decide, yeah, I'm a still order. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm putting my body at risk here. Um, I would love to see Chuba put on some weight. If he put on some weight, that would change my opinion. But we're not there yet. We're just not there yet. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. He can hit the home run. He could be a good complimentary back. The landing spots are going to determine a lot of things here. But personally, where I'm at right now, I would prefer a guy like Michael Carter over a guy like Chuba Hubbard. Moving on here, let's head into our fifth back on our, our consensus ranks. He is number 4.75. Hubbard was 4.5, so he is very close in that ranking uh, when you factor in all of us as well. And it is the backfield mate of Javante Williams, Michael Carter here. Um, I mean... I'm not really sure what you thought about Michael Carter on tape because, Bill, you actually did not have him in your top six. Or, I'm sorry, top five. You had him as a sleeper who just kind of missed the cut. Um, Trey actually was a big fan of Michael Carter at RB3 in the class ahead of Javante Williams. I had him below Williams at number four, and then Chris did not have him in his top five at all. Um, so I personally think that from what I've seen so far, the most, um, what's the word? Like you, you could have the most wide ranging outcome as far as our rankings and what we actually believe on Michael Carter, um, more than any other running back, I would say. And I want to hear your thoughts here, Bill. What? What specific is there anything that kind of kept you from putting him in the top five? Yeah, um, I think he's going to be pigeonholed as a scat back at the next level. Like, I doubt he comes out here, and you you know what he reminds me of? How everybody used to hype up Duke Johnson, but he's just never been anything besides a scat back at the NFL level. Yeah, I think that if he fell into a situation where he had to get service as a three-down back, he would do good in that role. But mm-hmm. I doubt, really doubt, based off of draft capital, that he's going to get drafted high enough where he's going to command that type of like uh, market share. I agree. I, I think he's going to be a complimentary back. Um, yeah. Like, at least with Chuba Hubbard, you might get a good preseason games out of him where, like, the franchise feels forced to, where they got to give him touches or something like that. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? He'll get manufactured touches. But with, like, Michael Carter, I feel like uh, for him to start off, I don't know, man. I just feel like he's going to get overdrafted during uh, the rookie drafts and stuff like that. And he very think, well could. And I think there's just other backs. Yeah. Um, I'll highlight some, num- highlight some numbers here. BMI is solid. It's not anything to write home about, but it's not anything to – shoe off either um college dominator rating 39th percentile not something that you are excited to see but he shared the backfield with javante williams too who's the lead dog college target share 8.4 percent is actually the exact same as javante williams so for a guy that you want to be the pass catcher of the two for him to not necessarily 
dominate in the pass catching department. That's something that you kind of want to look out for. College yards per carry is at 97th percentile average 8.0, I'm sorry, yards per carry. Um, I don't know. That probably relates specifically to his final year in 2020 because you can see here these stats on the screen. Uh, every other year he averaged 5.8, then 7.1, then 5.7. Not that, that those numbers are bad, but more so that the 8.0 yards per carry is the highlight of them. And you can also see never more than 177 attempts in a season. Um Never more than 30 targets as well, 25 catches. So really didn't get, like, never top 200 total touches in the season. So definitely was not a, you know, lasting type of guy. I think the main thing that you'll want to highlight here with Michael Carter, outside of landing spot, because, like, obviously the landing spot is going to change everything, but I think... Billy hit the nail on the head where he's bound to be a scat back. Your hope for him is that he's going to be a complimentary back who's consistently used, but has that potential each game to hit on a bigger play, you know, get him into space and then he can work from there. Um, I mean, he worked really well with Javante Williams and, and the, uh, the power that Javante Williams ran with and the difference that Michael Carter had made things a little different. Ah, perfect timing for Trey to join the podcast here. Trey, listen, I we, we're finishing up here on Michael Carter, but the reason that it's so perfect timing for you to join is because you had him the highest of the three of or four of us, I should say. Chris also involved here. Um you had him at three. So if you want to touch real quick on Michael Carter and, and why you liked him so much, and then we'll have one more running back to touch on before we head out here. Yeah. Sorry for, you know, hopping in late guys work got crazy busy, but I got out of there just in time to hop on. Um, but just looking at that player profiler, I do like the comp with, uh, with a uh, Devonta Freeman. I think they're very similar players, to be honest with you, a uh, similar height and weight. And also game style, you know, with Devonta Freeman, like whenever he was in his prime, one thing that he was really good at was make, was uh, making defenders bounce off of him and getting the yards after contact. And I think that that's what Michael Williams will be able to do. A lot of people don't really see that with him because he's 5'8", 202. But, I mean, he does have some pop behind that, and he is really elusive, um, as you can see by his agility score. That's crazy high. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm a big Michael Carter guy. I know a lot of people were high on him. Uh, in the early part of the draft process, and uh, some people have faded off on, on him. But uh, after, you know, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, there's kind of like that break, and you're just trying to pick which guy you think will um, have the best opportunity. And uh, I think that's going to be Michael Carter. Interesting. The tale of two coins here for Michael Carter is Billy does not have him in his top five. So different sides here. And uh, for those of you listening and not watching, Trey mentioned the agility score of 10.81, which is in the 98th percentile for a score. So Carter, efficient and agile. We'll see if he can get a lasting opportunity in the NFL 
And then the final back that we have to talk about, our final back here, technically not in the top five of our consensus, but he's in a few people's top five. Kenny Gainwell, 5.55 in our consensus ranks. And Trey and I had to get the names right. Trey and I had him uh, outside of our top five, but Billy and Chris both had him slotted in at number five. So Kenny Gainwell... Let me head over to Billy here because Billy yeah, uh, go. is the only one. Two seconds. Um, if you want to hit it real quick. Yeah, let me hit it real quick. Uh, Kenny Gamewell is a guy that I feel like is very slept on because um, if you really look back at Antonio Gibson's days, um, he was the guy that was commanding the market share over Antonio Gibson. We saw how good Antonio Gibson has done in the NFL so far. So I can imagine him definitely uh doing not what exactly he did in the nfl but just kind of being a good sleeper and uh i feel like a lot of people are underestimating these uh memphis running backs that little combination that they had i feel like it reminds me a lot of like the justin jefferson jamar chase combo of like how people are kind of sleeping on jamar chase coming into this year i feel all right billy i got two questions for you real quick before you sign off uh one is football related do you think Memphis is RBU now? Because, man, they, like, the past three or four drafts, they've had a lot of good running backs coming out of there. Let's not refer one, to Darrell Henderson as good, but go on. Yeah, I mean, no, like the draft I mean, capital is good that I mean that they're receiving. And second one, uh, what is your NBA lock of the night? Because I'm about to go hammer somebody. Um, my NBA lock of the night, Suns on TNT, 10 o'clock game. I am taking the Suns money line plus 100. Put a little uh, half unit down on it. So hopefully that wins. Win a nice couple $50 and call it a night because I think the Phillies are about to close out, and that was my biggest bet of the day. But um, to the NFL question, I think Memphis is just getting good recruits. I feel like NFL, I mean, with football, you can kind of manufacture good recruits just based off of like somebody getting in trouble or something like that. They just won't go to a power five conference school. And then like, that's right. Schools like Memphis that just scoop them up. Yeah, I'm not I saying believe I don't that was the case with Antonio Gamewell, Gibson, but that's usually how it happens. I feel yeah. like I, I do believe that was the case with Antonio Gibson and, and how he ended up in Memphis. Um, Cause I, I believe he was a Juco transfer. Um, Bill, I see you celebrating there. Have fun tonight and in, enjoy Woo-hoo! your, enjoy your celebration bill uh and and your money at getting bills on twitter check him out um all right so i'm gonna turn real quick here to kind of counter billy's point against kenny gamewell i'll argue um his point was kind of that he all right so i'll highlight this the stats real quick you see 2020 he did nothing he opted out of the season because of covid Hmm. So 2019 is when you really, because his first season, as you can see, really not that involved as well. So you really only have the one year of production to look at for Kenny Gamewell. I think one of the points that Billy highlighted the most was that um, he was the leader of the backfield that featured Antonio Gibson. I don't think that necessarily means that Gamewell is more cut out for the NFL though, because personally um, 
I know Antonio, like the whole thing with Antonio Gibson was he's not used to playing the running back position. He's not, you know, the whole thing of him coming into the NFL was he's not ready for the, to be a running back completely. He's, he's part wide receiver. He's just not fully transitioned yet and all this. So obviously I would feel like a team like Memphis is going to play a guy like Kenny Gamewell who knows how to replay the running back position over a guy like Antonio Gibson because of the experience, because he knows what he's doing consistently at the running back position. And when I was watching Kenny Gamewell film, there were certain plays that stuck out to me, but I think the design plays to Antonio Gibson stuck out to me just a little bit more. Like I, I noticed Antonio Gibson when I was watching Kenny Gamewell film, and I was like, that's a, that's a different guy. That's an explosive sort of player. Whereas Gamewell, he had some specific plays in mind, where he did hit on the home run. He did have those little sparks, but consistently, I don't know. I just was not super impressed. Trey, do you feel, do you feel similarly to me? I, I imagine you do because he's also not in your top five. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how the NFL reacts to the players that didn't play last season, because I mean, with Jamar chase, you can kind of see that he has the body to be in the NFL. So you can kind of, you know, plug in the question marks you have with him. But with uh, Kenny Gainwell, I mean, he's 5'8", 201, very similar, uh, you know, to Michael Carter. But I think Michael Carter is a lot more elusive and explosive than Kenny Gainwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like Bill's point about, you know, Gainwell was featured over Gibson. Um, but that was just a good counterpoint by you saying, you know, Gibson was a wide receiver before going to running back. So he probably didn't get the reps that, you know, the coaching trusted him to get. Um I like Kenny Gainwell. I mean, for me with him, it honestly depends on where he lands. If he lands on a good spot like the Dolphins, I could see him being a good flex play his first year. Um, but honestly, he just needs to land in a good spot where where he's going to be used. Um, other than that, I don't really see him being anything worth more than like a mid-second, late-second round pick. Yeah. Which, uh, which the running backs aren't nearly as uh, deep as they were last year. Not nearly as deep. Right. Um, we've talked about different points within the show, um, which I'll close out of Kenny Gainwell now as we've kind of ended our point on him. But we were talking about the rankings, um, how you have Nasha. We had Nasha Harris at the at the top. Chris actually had Nasha Harris at two, Etienne at three, and then Javante Williams at number one. So mm-hmm. he was Yo, he was very high on him. Yes. Um, but uh, on the point of um, you know, we were looking at Harris and we were looking at Travis Etienne and then there's kind of like a tear break or Bill brought up pro football focus and their rankings, how it was Nashe Harris and Javante Williams. And then there was a tear break between them and Etienne. So I, I think consensus wise, there's those big three there between Harris, Etienne, Javante Williams, really wherever they land. I, you had Michael Carter a little higher, but I believe you were the only one that strayed away from those three being in the top three. And you had Williams at four, so it's not like he was super far behind. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those big three are going to be the big three names that you look out for in your fantasy leagues to kind of say these three are the one that ones that really matter for fantasy. And then beyond that, you you want to see where guys like Chuba Hubbard, Michael Carter, 
and Kenny Gainwell land and if they get an opportunity to really look into that and see what they can potentially do with that opportunity. So, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's it. That's our running back episode. That was fun. Trey, I'm sorry that you couldn't enjoy all of it. Could only okay, really man. enjoy the last 15, but... Hey, as you know, grocery store life gets kind of crazy, man. Yeah, sadly, I do know that. Thankfully, I'm beyond that. But um, mm. I do know from a personal... Uh, I, I block those memories of grocery <laughs> store life out of my head. So That's I smart. cannot speak to it. But um, I will say this, though, man. Your beard came in quick. Looking thank at last you. Comparing to this week, man, that thing looks fresh. Thank you. I, necessary, I will say. Very necessary. It was who? Yeah. Last, <laughs> last week. I mean, two weeks ago. Worst day of my life, arguably. Um. <laughs> So, yes, Trey at FF Superflex Guru on Twitter. Um, shout out Chris Robin at Detroit Beast. He had to leave like midway through, it seemed, uh, for some reason, but that's okay. Uh, completely thankful to him for coming on and adding in his perspective on a few things, including his top five rookies. Billy at Getting Bills on Twitter. Me at Fantasy Force FB. Follow the show at Dynasty Force Pod, Dynasty Force Podcast on YouTube. We'll subscribe. be back with you. Yes, subscribe. Hit that hit that bell so that you know when we go live. Normally every Wednesday at 4.30, but even when we're a little late, you can be aware and see that firsthand. And finally, next week, hope you're ready. We're going to have even more to talk about there uh, next week, I, I believe, when we talk about wide receivers this is another there's another this is another great wide receiver class we've talked not on this podcast but last year a big thing was the wide receiver class heading in 2014 was another big year this is similar in those senses and then you have the big names everyone knows about in jamar chase uh Devontae smith jalen waddle but beyond that there's a lot of depth at the wide receiver position and a lot of guys that can contribute. So we'll try and touch on them uh, as many of them as we can next week. Until then, hope you all enjoy your week upcoming. And thanks again for tuning into the dynasty force podcast.